Welcome to the inaugural episode of Eat, Drink, Social. My name is Michael Moeller, and throughout this podcast series, you'll be hearing from myself, Casey Liston, and Courtney Sandora. We're a team over at Go Social, a social media and PR firm with offices in Louisville and Denver, and we'll be discussing social media trends as well as influencers in the digital food and beverage landscape. If you have any questions about the podcast or want to reach out to see what we do, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, or feel free to go to our website at www.goforthbesocial.com. All right, so before we get to the interview, let's hop on the phone with Courtney Sandora. She is the uh, founder and owner of Go Social. Courtney, um, before we get to the to the interview with JC, can you kind of just explain why we're doing this podcast project and what you envision it to be? Definitely. I think social media is constantly changing, which is what's exciting about being in social media. But what I'm seeing now is it's not just about creating content for your own channels. It's about getting on third party channels to others content. Um, And I think a huge part of that is this rise of influencer marketing. And I really wanted to take a look at who are these people behind these accounts? Um, What makes one successful versus another? And we have worked a couple times with JC. I think he has a great account. One of the things that we'll hear him talk about is his account really took off when he started to become personal, share personal information and become more vulnerable. And I think as marketers, we want to look at how can we take these lessons of what makes these influencer accounts very popular and apply them to our own brands because I think we're always looking to drive engagement and gain more followers. Um, in, In the case of JC, this idea of really being vulnerable and personal, I mean, it's obviously a lot easier to do when you're a person versus a brand, but I still think that you can apply some of these same principles to your marketing. Um, As I was thinking about, you know, what brand has really been vulnerable? And I think back to Domino's Pizza about 10 years ago, they came, they were one of the first to come out and, and it was just when social was becoming bigger with businesses and so it wasn't just a social campaign, it was more of a marketing campaign, but they, they basically said, look, we don't think our product has been great the last few years. We know that we need to work on our crust, we know we need to work on our sauce, and we're admitting it. Um, and, and it was just kind of shocking to hear, because you don't hear companies <laughs> admitting that their product wasn't great. Um, and, and honestly, it, it caught my attention. I think it was really raw and honest. And as somebody who orders pizza, I gave them another shot and I hadn't ordered Domino's in years and, you know, 10 years later, I'm still ordering Domino's. So I think that there, there are some lessons that we can apply as, you know, as a business, how can we really be vulnerable? And I, I think people respond to that. I think people really appreciate that, especially in this social media era. So um, those, that's a, a big takeaway. I think we'll hear from JC and something that businesses should think about. Sure. And I'm also thinking about corporate responsibility and kind of brand mission statements and kind of what they're what they're doing beyond their own product, beyond their own service. I'm thinking about one of our clients right now, Toadfish Outfitters, and just the work that they do in the environmental landscape. So you, you could say that that's kind of their personality showing there too, right? Definitely. Or you even look at Ben and Jerry's ice cream and, you know, they're very passionate about their environmental and political views, too. And, and, you know, it's 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 a risk. Right. So it could be polarizing. You could have some people that won't buy your 
your product because of it, but then you can have some people who are more passionate about it. And I, I do think that people want to look at brands, not just as a brand, but like, what do you stand for? And what does your company stand for? Um, I know like King Arthur Flower is another brand that honestly, I'll spend an extra dollar, you know, on their flower because they're employee owned and I like their brand and I like their story. So I think there, there's a lot to be said about putting yourself out there um, admitting when, you know, you could do better and, and talking about what you're passionate about. All right. Ready to listen to JC? Let's do it. All right. Happy to be joined now by JC Phelps of JCP Eats, uh, a Kentucky food and Southern lifestyle blog. Uh, JC, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing well. How are you? Doing well. Thanks for, uh, thanks for coming on and, and doing this. This is uh, the inaugural podcast and we're happy to have you on as the first guest. Thank you for having me. I'm honored. So, um, like I said, you're a Kentucky food and, and Southern lifestyle blogger, but can you kind of just go in on that and kind of, exp- uh, you know, just tell us who you are? Sure. So, as you said, my name is Tracy Phelps. Uh, I am originally a country boy, born and raised in Russell County, Kentucky. Um, I grew up on the family farm that's um, been in my family for 220 years. So I like to say I am a true and true um, Kentuckian. I um, so I left Russell County and went to Center College, and um, then I graduated from there, did my MBA at WKU, and then I moved here to Louisville to go to law school, and so that's where I am now. And I love living in the city and. Um, JCP Eats has sort of followed me. I started it when I was at Center, uh, but it certainly wasn't what it is now. And it's sort of just grown with me and, you know, it's seen changes and all of that. It's evolved into the community that it is now. So the so the blog came first and then eventually uh, you had uh, the, the Instagram come on as social, uh, right? So actually it's flipped. Okay. I, I started on Instagram and I started JCP sort of um, in an unconventional way. Most people start blogs or Instagram communities to just showcase something. But I actually um, had lost almost 200 pounds and I was suffering from eating disorders. And I talk about that very publicly online. And so um, photography has always been one of my passions. Thus, I use food photography to change my relationship with food, and instead of seeing it as an enemy or something that had plagued me my entire life, being a plus-size guy, I, you know, began to see the plate as, you know, whether it be art or culture, depending on where you are, and um, taking photos of my food really changed my life. And so JCP started um, out of, Basically, I needed a place to put all of these because I was inundating my followers on my, <laughs> my personal page with all of these food texts, and I wasn't sure that they were interested in seeing them. <laughs> so I started the account. So um, so obviously, I created the account, but the cr- account created the modern version of me, too. It's really helped me grow as a person. I'm very thankful for that. That's that's a great story, man. Thank, thank you for sharing. Um, sure. So, so o- over this time, you have been able to produce a lot of content, and, and you, you share a lot of good stuff on, on social, on your Instagram, which is at JCP Eats. Um, and it's, I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it seems like it's kind of we're kind of at a point now 
uh, where you know brands and companies might see you as a local or community influencer. Is is that right? Yes, that's true. I am I'm very privileged in that I get to work with local and national brands weekly. And when I created the account, as I said, you know, it was sort of a form of therapy and, um, you know, used for personal growth. So I never expected it to turn into what it did, and it just happened very organically. So I work locally with restaurants. Um, sometimes it's like a one-time visit. They've launched a new menu, or and I advertise to them. I have monthly contracts with restaurants. Um, but then I also get the privilege of working with brands like eBay and like Godiva Chocolate. Um, and, you know, larger retailers like that. And I really enjoy doing this post with my heart is um, local. So but I prefer to talk about local restaurants, sure. but I do get to use those, which is really awesome. At what point did you notice that these brands were approaching you regularly? Was there kind of like an aha moment? You know, I, my account has grown a lot and in sort of a short amount of time. And if you wanted to put like a time frame on it, I would truly say um, around November of last year is when I started growing very fast. And I got my first offer to come to a media event. And then it was kind of like a domino effect. And um, one offer led to the next. And then I was booked this week. And then I was booked two times the next week and three times the next week. And so that was a you know, sort of startling realization for me, like, okay, I need to be really formal. I need a, you know, very high-powered, clear, concise website that's aesthetically pleasing, and I'm not very tech-savvy. <laughs> so I, w I had to get in gear very fast, and um, I'm glad I did. It was a lot of work in the short run, <laughs> definitely, but um, it just it started happening, and it, it hasn't stopped, so I'm very thankful. So, I mean, obviously these brands are, are approaching you because they like what you have to say and, and, and they like how you communicate um, their brand message to potential customers and, and consumers. Um, and they might just also, I mean, the, the photography is obviously a, a big portion of it too. So, you know, what, what's, what's the key to a good JCP Eats post on Instagram? Is it, do you have a, a specific style that you go for or uh, maybe um, it's, it's the caption? What, what do you usually try to do? when you approach that kind of um, post? Sure. I think for, I think it's different for everyone, but there are two things that are keys to success for me. And the first one is more general. I, you know, there are, everyone has a method to take their photos. A lot of food photographers take photos from up above and show a beautiful tablescape or something like that. That is not my style personally. I shoot my photos very close, and I think that enables you to see the details of the food, the textures of the food, the colors, how it's plated, like on a dimensional status. I think that really helps seeing the plate like it is truly in front of you instead of something that's just posed and marketed for Instagram. So in that, of course, Number one rule in photos for me is good lighting. I, I will wait for a table <laughs> if it's my window. I don't care if there are tables that are open. Um, and 
via the fact that I do take photos up close, if it's not clear, it's not postable. So that's why I require good lighting. But what makes a post um, on JTPE something that I would publish is that I try to make it personal because, you know, there are a lot of people online that um, post food pics or post blog pics or post blog and, you know, it's shots of slink or whatever. And that's part of being a blogger. But at the same time, the single-handed thing that made my account grow the most was when I started being more personal about it. I started posting photos of myself with the food or um, I tell a personal story in the caption related to the food. It could be, you know, talking about the eating disorder um, recovery. It could be talking about something that I um, witnessed when I traveled and this plate reminded me of. And I, one sort of facet that I really focus on is something deemed food positivity. Hmm. And it's sort of my own little way of making an impact in the body positive movement because I do talk about my body. I have this post where it's just me, but I argue that those are very related and they're not exclusive at all. And the way that I've made, you know, peace with my body and my existence is by honoring the food and feeling positive about what I'm putting in my body and changing how I frame it. And thus, I talk about that in my caption, and that makes me very vulnerable. And I think people respond to vulnerability. Mm-hmm. So, the, so the number one key in one word is caption. But I don't caption like a, um, maybe like a standard Instagram. I'm not very witty. I think of something I should have said like one week later. I'm very <laughs> much that type of person. So I, so I don't have catchy captions. I have um, heartfelt captions. And I think that makes it different. So other than, uh, other than showing personality in a, in a post caption and, and kind of really letting your heart out, um, that, cause that's obviously a, a a huge key to kind of growing an audience, but do you happen to have any other tips for growing an audience? You know, good, good lighting for the posts and then um, personality in the caption, but maybe just just tips for people that are wanting to grow their own audience. Sure. I This is sort of a bounce off of what I just said, but I cannot reiterate it enough. It is so important to be personal and be authentic. When you look at an Instagram feed, we often worry about how are my photos flowing. If someone goes to my feed and they look at nine to ten photos on a, more of a macro view as opposed to a micro, what are they going to think? Am I a good photographer? And that that does make a difference, trust. But at the same time, accounts are a dime a dozen, and I think before you start an account or if you've started one and you're trying to grow it to a certain level, you have to think, what makes me different? And for me, I have two. One, um, you know, I always like to say I'm just a hillbilly or a country boy. <laughs> I start out every vlog, every Instagram story, every blog post with, hey, y'all. And I end every blog post with, y'all come back now, you're here. And people associate me with that. And so when I meet people out or people talk about my page they say you know i love how country you are and that is something that i have chosen to illuminate about my life 
and to put out there, but it also differentiates me. Secondly, um, I've talked you know a few times about my body thus far, but that differentiates me too. And so instead of being you know sort of textbook, I pose in ways that shows off you know swerves and curves and makes it known that I'm a plus size person. And um, the way that I you know showcase that makes me again vulnerable increases authenticity levels and then i think that really reflects the follower so if you are trying to grow your follower base i would sit down with a cup of coffee or a diet coke for me and i would think to myself why am i unique what is the voice that is that i'm going to be putting out there that other people aren't doing if someone really close to me were to describe me what would they say um, for example, I'm a big talker, so sometimes my captions are very long as I'm telling these stories. And those things can reflect in your content, whether you're a fashion blogger, whether you're a food blogger, whether you're a travel blogger. Because at the end of the day, people associate us with being an online account or an online presence, but you're a person. Mm-hmm. And that's very important to remember. Who influences you? Are there any uh, Instagram accounts that we should be following right now? Oh, totally. <laughs> I love Instagram, and I spend far too much time on it. But um, first, I'll start off on a non-local level. But hands down, you should follow Ina Garden, the Barefoot Contessa. <laughs> she is um, a celebrity chef on Food Network, obviously. But I am so inspired by her. She, along with um, the cooks in my family, has been my single-handed biggest inspiration in the food world. Mm-hmm. And um, Ina is very much into simple, elegant cooking, you know, and they need to be really good ingredients. And that is a way to elevate your food. And I relate to that style because, you know, I'm from the country. I think of farm ingredients. I think of you know, sourcing locally what's at the produce stand or what did your neighbor drop off on your front porch at X or cucumber or whatever. And um, I think that really elevates food. And I think sometimes we get a little too busy. And I've also learned a lot from her Instagram, whether it be like posting skills or um, she talks about, you know, a way to elevate your food palette, whether it be this pairing or this line with this food, et cetera. And she just has a lot of great recipes, and they truly, she says they're foolproof, and they really are. And um, I use those a lot. So if you want inspiration from a pro, definitely Ina Garden. Mm-hmm. Um, as for locally, my favorite account to follow is Kentucky Tourism. Oh, yeah. I think that their state is so beautiful, and I'm so inspired by the Commonwealth. And I think Kentucky Tourism does a really great job of highlighting it, and they're a real asset. So they'll post photos of, of course, country, but then they'll post photos of food and the restaurants or Burgoo or this bourbon. And I think that that account, more than any, truly encapsulates what we are as a commonwealth, and they really do a great job at that. Um, but there are, there are a lot of amazing... Um, local bloggers in Lexington and Louisville. There are other great food accounts like 
Slovan, um, Eva Slovan, there are so many. I mean, there are truly fantastic people out there. I love following her Kentucky. Um, this Heather Watson, she has a great account. She highlights a lot of great things about her state. And, I mean, the list goes on and on. But the best way if you're trying to find someone to follow is just look at those Kentucky hashtags. Oh, yeah. Hashtag Kentucky blogger, hashtag global blogger, or, you know, there are, there are many of them. And the posts that, you know, pop up towards that front, just explore them. And those are people that are creating content in your neck of the woods. And that's really important to support them. Are you, are you familiar with uh, Wendell Berry? Yes, I love Wendell Berry. He, he has a great quote that comes to mind as you're talking about, like, just the about the ingredients of food that you were mentioning a couple minutes ago. Just, you know, to, I, I think the quote's like, to be interested in food but not in food production is clearly absurd. That's very true. Yeah. JC, I appreciate your time today. Thank you so much for kind of sharing your story and, and, and how about you um, produce such, you know, such a great feed. So anybody listening, I would definitely suggest that you follow at JCP eats on Instagram and uh, check out his blog at jcpeats.com. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm so honored to be on here. And All right. Now we're here with Casey Liston. We just listened to the interview with JC. He had a lot of good things to say, as Courtney mentioned about keeping it personal, but, but he also touched on positivity in posting and in content creation. I was wondering if you could kind of speak on that a little bit as far as social media goes and why is that so important tone of voice has a lot to do with it people want to read positive things and I think that there's the stigma with social media on you know like body perception and are are we on it too much and there's there's a lot of comparison so I think that when you keep it positive people are going to want to read what what you have to say you want people to take something away from from what you post but most importantly how do you want them to feel after after they read your post? Because that's what will keep them um, coming back, whether it's your witty kind of humor, whether it's um, something very personal to you. I think vulnerability has a lot to do with it. Um, so I think that's that's a main, a main key. If, if there's somebody out there that can really relate to you in a way, then I think that's really important. Thanks, Casey.